welcome to a new episode of Set Listing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is one of my favorite people. I know I say that a lot, but the reality is I like a lot of people, but <laughs> in this case, it truly is. Terry Smith is joining me again. Terry, welcome back to the show. Hey Jesse, yeah, thanks, thanks for the intro, and uh, I'll put myself at the top of the favorite. Uh, but it's great, it's great to be talking to you again. You know, uh, Terry has been on the podcast multiple times. It is odd to say this, considering we've never met in person. But there is every once in a while you meet someone either in person or online that you click. Just for some reason, you you really like the person, and they seem to really like you. And uh, not being too forward, but I feel that is what happened with you and I. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Yeah. So, uh, Terry has been on, um, he, he shared his Springsteen story. Um, he did his, um, Austin city limits summary. He did a best of year summary for me. He's been very nice of giving me, um, material that I can send out. Uh, but he started his own podcast, uh, called music talks. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit, but you know there is no way if I got Terry on the phone, I'm not going to ask him what he thinks of Western Stars. So would you like to know? I would like to know. <laughs> uh, okay. um, so Western Stars, um, the bottom line is I think it's an incredibly good album. Um, I don't think it will ever quite get to great, and I'll talk about why I think that in a minute um, but I have to admit when you know I think like a, a lot of people were excited when it was coming out I was really quite apprehensive um, only because well I guess it was a couple of things one was the fact that Bruce had sat on the album for so long you know it was surely he would have released it if he really loved it that was a question in my head um, and then second the sort of western theme and about two months ago um i did actually go back to working on a dream and think well you know there was there was a there were songs on there that were in that sort of glenn campbell but Bacharach 60s um yeah. mold uh and i have to say going back and listening to working on a dream with a couple of exceptions was not a great experience it was like oh i'd forgotten uh, i hadn't forgotten how awful queen of the supermarket is but um, I was like, oh, I hope, I hope, it, I hope it's not another working on a dream album. Um, uh, and I'm going to jump in there because I, I feel the same way. Um, I, I like Outlaw Pete as the children's book, yep. and I, and I, and, and I like, I don't understand why it's the same lyrics, but just somehow as a children's book, uh, you know, it kind of works, but it is not one of my favorite songs. Um, it, it is not a um, there's a couple of good songs on there, but overall, I agree with you. It is, it is a okay album. I just kind of move on. So I'm um, right there with you. So that that was my concern about Western Stars. Um, they then released the first track, and I was like, oh, okay. And that actually reminded me because I can remember where I was when I first heard Brilliant Disguise. I'd literally just come back from Holland in France, uh, holiday in France. And it came on the radio as a new single. Um, and, you know, Hello, Hello Sunshine felt like that. It was like, oh, okay, I, I, I like that sort of reflective tuneful Bruce. Um, there Goes My Miracle was like, a, oh, I'm not sure about this. Um, although now on the album, I think it works brilliantly. Yes. And then, and then Tucson Train was like, I think we might have something. Um, now, while all of that was going on, I remember, I think Rolling Stone... Um, reviewed it and gave it four stars and a friend of mine got quite excited about that and then i reminded that i think it actually gave working on a dream five and high hopes four and a half uh so a long story short i i really like the the album uh i think it's that rare thing today that it works as an album you know that yeah. if it's listening to it as um a sort of whole suite of songs um, I'm going to be my normal pretentious self here. I read somebody commented that the uh, hitchhiking, you know, the opening song, it doesn't actually go anywhere. And my view is that's the whole point. 
um, you know, one of that song, but of the album, you know, it's it's people's stories and lives. The the only track, Sleepy Joe's Cafe, is the one that makes me twitch a bit. Um, yeah, and I I don't I understand that, but I don't feel that way. I know uh, when I had the couple of guys join me. Um, right after it was released, you know, Saturday morning, we were able to, you had a family, uh, conflict, yeah, but you had said, you had, you had said, Oh, I would have loved to join us. And they did not like Sleepy Joe Cafe. I think it's fun. It's certainly not Mary's place, uh, but it's in that vein. So I was okay with it. Um, but we talked about that it felt like a collection of short stories. Yes. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a great thing, and I think you know there is uh, overall. I think there's a lot of really good writing in there. I think some of the lyrics are great. I think the only thing is there's two songs that start with "Woke Up This Morning." It's like should have spotted that one, Bruce. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You only had six. <laughs> you finished this six years ago. You could have fixed it. Um, but yeah, I, I and I've always loved his. Uh, I've always loved his literal storytelling. And in fact, one of the things I want to do for um, your thought of the day spot is something around that. So I, I think um, I think the songwriting strong. I think the characters are strong. Um, and if I look back to um, sort of Ghost of Tom Joad and I think musically, even Nebraska, I mean, when Nebraska came out, you know, the musically it wasn't great it was, and it was dark. I think he's sort of he's found that middle ground really well without diluting any of the emotion. So yeah, it's it's a really good album, and I do think it's a shame he's not going to tour it. Yeah, I would have. Um, in fact, I if he isn't, I would love to see him tour. I I would have loved for um, you know for the promise he did that carousel mini concert. Yeah. Uh, that by the way they've never released the whole thing. Uh, which I think is a shame. Uh, you know, they've just released a couple of, um, you know, um, videos on back of it. From it, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I would have loved him to do a small show with the French horns and the, you know, the orchestra kind of, and yeah. then, and then just um, release it as a DVD or even on demand. Um, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because uh, I agree with you, it is a really, really, um, and I've been very vocal. I, you know, I, um, you know, Glenn Campbell was a big player at my house, and one of the, um, and I guess it's been many years now, but meet Glenn Campbell, where he took a lot of modern songs and recorded them in his style, um, is is one of my favorite albums. So this was right in my wheelhouse and I, I've liked it a lot. I, I, um, I'm kind of in love with Tucson train and I love Tucson this. train's lovely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the whole, um, I just saw someone was discussing on one of the Facebook page that, you know, is his, is his estranged wife or, um, girlfriend or whatever, is she on the train? Because, you know, he's hoping for the train. And, and I thought that was an interesting discussion. In my mind, you know, I, I just see this, uh, you know, please just come for a weekend. Just come for a weekend. We can enjoy and no pressure. We'll have separate bedrooms. I, and, you know, and that line, I can show her a man can change, you know, makes me smile and it gives me that, that hope. So one of the reasons I love talking to you is, is that you always get my creative juices flowing. So um, how about this, that um, Tucson Train is actually Murray because she didn't get in the car. There you go. That's right. Yeah, I love it. And 30 years later, she and you're right, he's finally he's persuaded her to come and visit for the weekend yeah. as a friend. But mm -hmm. he clearly has an agenda. Um, the other thing I have to say, I don't know if you've seen the post, but Steve Routledge, who we both obviously know, in fact, we mm -hmm. Steve and I met through your podcast, but have you seen his post on Western Skies? Is um, where because he, he is a fan of Outlaw Pete, mm -hmm. um, so his his view is that it should be Outlaw Pete the album. 
Oh, okay. Um, and I, like I, I am I am actually going to do a playlist that takes out Sleepy Joe's Cafe and puts in Outlaw Pete and uh, Working on a Dream and just see how it works. You know, I was sitting here thinking the same thing. Um, I wonder if you took Working on the Dream, Working on a Dream, and Western Stars and kind of put them together and did a shuffle. Yep. How would it? Would it feel well, you'd have better? to take out. You'd, you'd take a few. You'd have to take yeah. a few, quite a few tracks out of working on a dream. But yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to play around with that. If just for yeah. fun, just for fun. So let's be pretentious. Why do you think he waited so long? Um. Well, I guess my view would be this: was was because uh, it, it, it's a logical follow-on from working on a dream. Um, and then I'm assuming that sort of Wrecking Ball came along as a, a piece of writing, and then it was, you know, you're off on to tour with the band. We know from the book that he was actually going through a pretty bad time with that with depression. So I'm I'm assuming it was one of those things that just went, oh, we've we've taken the left turn here, because you know it always makes me smile, and I'm fiercely proud of it that I was at. Um, the giant stadium on night two when he played wrecking ball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, written for the stadium. And you, we have to be honest that at that point, it felt like a real throwaway song. Um, and nobody realized what it was going to sort of lead to. So I guess my conjecture would be, you know, that, that finished, finished the tour, the album started flowing for the East street band that then meant, Oh, let's get out and keep touring. Um, um, you know, he's going through a tough time. We all know that one of the things that makes him better is he gets on the road. Um, and then, of course, Broadway came up. So I, I, I don't think there was any master plan there. And I think the thing we should be pleased about is, one, he didn't just let it sit in the vaults because we know he's done that on other stuff. And two, albeit he was 65, not 70, but to have an artist really writing in a new genre for him at that age, I think he's brilliant. Yeah, I I think that, and and I I certainly am not going to argue with anyone. There's been a overall, it's been positive. There have been a few people that just have said, you know, after it just hadn't grown on them and they don't like it. Um, and 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 I think that's that's perfectly fine. I'm not going to throw them. Um, you know, a couple people were. I think ugly, and you know that's not going to be me. All right, no. you just sit around and wait for you know Born to Run two, and and I don't think that's what they're saying. Yeah, and and again, I don't mean this to be pompous, although it probably will be. I mean my 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 second favorite album after Darkness is probably Tunnel of Love. Yeah, and I think if you love Tunnel of Love, you will love this album. And so, you know, because uh, I think there's a direct line from one to the other in terms of songwriting. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I also agree that it kind of um, I wonder if him and John and Barbara, I guess, sit down and go, OK, as we're doing this career thing, you know, what's the smartest way to do this? Um, you know, uh, there's some. A lot of authors put out a book every year, you know, and so um, and you have to worry if you get and I'll put it in my terms. Sometimes I get um, I get a lot of people saying, yes, yes, I, I can join you, Jesse. And so all of a sudden I have five or six podcasts in the bank. Yep. ahead and so i'm like well greedy me i guess could put out two or three a week but no i i go i need a podcast every week or with my little springsteen thought of the week too so i may you know i and i'll tell people I, i'm a advanced this might even it might be three or four weeks before it comes out um so i think that he could have done that too right that he could have yep. said um here's what i've got and go from there um, well, good, and and I agree with you too. It would have been really, really, uh, would love to uh, have seen him do some of these songs live. I don't know 
if he will do the mini live, like when the band tours again. You've got to believe. You've got to believe he'll slot some of them in. I mean, there's some that yeah. I think, you know, if if only, again, the conjecture that says he can't keep doing the marathon shows where there isn't a break and there isn't a sort of wind down. And you know, if you listen to a lot of the older shows, it always surprises me how much Nebraska stuff was in there and you know how much acoustic stuff was in there. So uh, one would hope. And I guess my final comment, Jesse, would be. Um, you were talking about sort of John and, and the the management side of it. I don't think it was accidental that just before the album came out, Bruce announced that he'd written a new album for the E Street Band. Because um, I, I think that also did colour my listening. It was like, oh, great, I can just listen to this as it is, knowing that there's another album on the way. <laughs> yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, so um, talk to me about what you've been doing this summer um you, you you've normally are seeing some of the best shows so talk yeah, to it's me been, a little bit about that it's been a relatively uh quiet start to the year on music so um there are a couple of highlights there is a young scottish guy called c duncan who i saw um in a fantastic venue called summer hall up in edinburgh um he's it's sort of electronic music very different from bruce um and we actually saw him in seattle supporting another great british band called elbow so i saw him um i saw a fantastic guy called peter perrett who and let me get this right i think it was i'll need to check but um he was i think it was the only ones he was the lead singer of so he's one of these guys he was on my best of last year um, you know, he had one good album, one massive single, and then went into 30 years of drug abuse and trying to kill himself, basically. Good news is that 67 has come out the other end. Um, and I, and he's now, he made a great album last year and has just released another one this year, uh, with his son. Um, and I saw them in a small club again in Edinburgh and it was absolutely brilliant. Um, non-musical we went to see the duchess of malfi which um i was a bit thrown by because my wife had said to me so how, how old is this and i said oh it's shakespeare not written by shakespeare and the cast came out and we're all talking in modern dialogue but it was a modern take on the duchess of malfi and that was brilliant um and then there were actually a couple of springsteen so for my birthday we went into glasgow and saw a uh, tribute band called glory days um who were really really good but i think the lead singer uh deserves uh real credit because he came out on his own and he started with hello sunshine and tucson train wow <laughs> and it was like literally it was the day after tucson train had been released um so i thought that and and did really really good versions of them so that was my birthday on the saturday um and then on the monday we went to see little stephen yes i was gonna i I thought you'd done that how um you know i'd seen the first leg of the tour you know now he's got the new album how was it uh, it was brilliant. I mean, my only regret, and I had, I was that I didn't get to see him on the Soul Fire tour. Yes. Because um, I actually had tickets for London and then couldn't make it because of uh, some family issues we had. Um, I mean, it is just completely over the top. Um, I mean, you thought there were a lot of people on stage on the Wrecking Ball tour, and this was a, I mean, it wasn't a tiny theatre, it was a couple of thousand people, but there must have been close to 20 people on stage you know the backing singers had massive headdresses and um i spent most of the gig just laughing and smiling because it's sort of completely over the top uh, but in a good way yeah you know uh, so when, it was two hours of great yeah. fun when when linda went with me to the soul fire tour we were at the majestic theater here in dallas similar it sounds like you know it's a it's a theater it's a good theater yeah. um the sound was a little off I, it 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 was not the best acoustics. The um, the instruments kind of overpowered his voice a little. But um, Linda was just amazed. She goes, I can just watch the backup singers and yeah. be entertained because they were all just 
choreated, you know, doing dances and moves. And it, I, I guess, um, Stephen has said in interviews that, um, you know, if he, this is not about making money, because if it, he, there's no way, it, if you're interested in making money, you would have this big of a band. It's, you would, you, know, you wouldn't ship that many people to Europe with all the kit if you yeah. were making money. Uh, yeah. That is for sure. That is um, awesome. The other gig, in fact, just remembered, it's not on my list here, uh, that was a real highlight, and I don't know if you're aware of music, but a lady called Katie Tunstall. No, I don't. Um, so she, uh, she's a Glaswegian, uh, lady, lived in LA for years, had a massive album about 10 years ago, but, um, she's kept a sort of Glasgow roots, and we went to see her at a place called Barrowlands, which mm-hmm. is, one of those iconic venues. So um, it's where Oasis were discovered. You know, it's got a history. Everybody is the Beatles played there, the Stones played there. Yeah. It's got this. It, it was a 30s dance hall, and it's still most of the floor is still a wooden sprung dance floor. Mm-hmm. So, of course, when, when it starts to get lively in the gig, it's fast. It could literally people bounce. Um, but yeah, you should, you should seek out Katie Tunstall. Um, okay. and, uh, I may pop in the post cause she, it was one of those gigs where they, uh, they record it and you can get, you can get the CD 20 minutes after the end of the gig. Oh, nice. Um, and, um, I think, I think you would enjoy it if only for the intersong banter. Um, and given that yours is a family show, I won't, I won't tell you what she said when she opened up, but suffice it to say her second line was, I just remembered we're recording this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, I'll, 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 I will uh, dig a copy out and put it in the post to you, Jesse. That, that'd be awesome. Um, and then in terms of what's coming up quickly, I said was, I'm seeing Jonas Policewoman tomorrow night. We've got Paul Weller next Thursday. We have the Cowboy Junkies. This is all in July. We have Bert Bacharach, which I can't, I'm, I've seen before, but we're seeing him in a uh, park in Glasgow that has like a, you know, the old fashioned bandstands. Sure. Uh, so we're seeing him, uh, then the national. And then later on in the year, Wilco, uh, Craig Finn. I've got Craig Finn and Jake Clemens in the same week. Oh, that'll be good. Which will be good. So yeah, lots of stuff, lots of stuff going on. So, um, so, you know, Burke Backrack, if he covers something from Western stars, you could just like, okay, I'm blown away. <laughs> um, I did see uh, Jimmy Webb responded. A couple of people talked to him, and you know, in an interview, he had said, "Hey, I'm not influencing Bruce Springsteen at all, but you know, I've liked what I've heard." I, I thought um, that was nice. I did say that it's a shame for a lot of reasons. Glenn Campbell is no longer with us, but I would love to hear him do one of these songs. You know? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so um, we are here not just to catch up, though it's always lovely. Um, you have a new podcast, don't you? I do. Yay, finally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, so it's called Music Talks. Yep. Uh, we're going to give you where you can find it. But um, for those of you who have never uh, listened to the episodes that Terry's been on, you should go back and listen to them. But – you know, as every concert is someone's first concert, every podcast is someone's first podcast. Tell me about what Music Talks is about. Okay, well, the the, the history of it actually goes back to uh, I lived for seven years in Seattle, uh, and I retired from uh, corporate life a couple of years ago. And uh, I always knew that 60 was going to be sort of that was it. That was when I was going to be finishing, never mind how much I was enjoying it. And I had a friend, a guy called Larry Hauser, who's actually going to be my guest on episode three of Music Talks. And he'd retired a few years before. Um, and I used to joke when I saw Larry that when I stopped working, he and I should start a music club. Uh, you know, like Cheryl Crow's Tuesday Night Music Club. Um, and when I stopped work, that's actually sort of what I did in the um, – I and it did have to happen to be on a Tuesday night. I started inviting just friends, typically male, um, just invite a friend round and say, "Hey, um, let's have a couple of beers. I'll cook some food. Let's listen to some music." And you know, my other obsession as well as music is um, top end hi-fi. 
I have a very small old car. I spend my money on hi-fi. Um, and, you know, typically these friends had been around for dinner and we'd have snatched five or ten minutes listening to something and people had said, oh, wouldn't it be great to have a night listening to music? So that's what I started doing. And after about four of these, I sort of sat and did my own review of how they were going. Uh, and the answer was I was having a lot of fun. I think my guests were having a lot of fun, but I was very conscious that um, for a lot of the evening, it involved me playing 45 or 60 seconds of a track that I liked very loud, screaming, doesn't it sound fantastic? And then playing 45 or 60 seconds of something else I liked. So I thought I need to come up with a format so that when people come over, they get to hear some of the music they like. And, you know, you and I have talked about this, Jesse. I think if you say to people, like, what's your favorite Bruce song? It's what well, it changes every day. And just saying to people, pick five songs. So what I came up with was a and I can't honestly remember where it came from, but it was pick a song for each decade of your life. And basically, you know, the guidance the thing guidance that there is, this isn't about what was the best album or artist in the 70s or the 90s. It's what song is important to you? What song says a particular decade to you? Um, and that's what I started doing. So people would send me the list before they came over. I'd stick it on playlist. They'd arrive. We'd have a beer. We'd listen to their choice and I'd, I'd let it all play through, and then I would put on my choice while I went and finished food. So I did that probably for about 18 months, and it worked really, really well. And then, uh, as you well know, Jesse, I came, I was uh, lucky enough to come on to set the Sting Bruce as a guest. Uh, I grabbed you at the end and just said, have you got five minutes? And said, do you think this is a a a format for a podcast and i will continue to say thank you and praise you because the reality is if you'd have gone well i probably wouldn't have done anything but you didn't you were incredibly supportive and after um the usual hiccups and bumps in the road the great news is that um a week last tuesday i launched my first episode and as of now there were 190 people have listened to it and I'm so excited. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Um, yeah, uh, I do love it, the concept. Um, in fact, um, this week to celebrate um, your kind of launch, I'm going to pull up because we were we were able to do these for a few times on Set Listing Bruce. There, we had you and I where we each picked our, um, you know, since we are a little more. Um, we have a few more miles. We were able to pick seven. <laughs> yeah. um, then uh, we've had a couple other people, including Rob Southgate and an episode that no one's ever heard, his wife Martha. So, uh, And we think that one we're going to separate into two episodes. So uh, I'm going to re um, – I'm going to do a new introduction. I'm going to re-release those to kind of do a music talks week on set lusting Bruce to kind of help things um, that's, that's move forward. Great, and so, yeah. Um, so talk about your first episode and um, I, you, you had shared with me who he was, but yep. his title made no sense to me. <laughs> um, so share the name and the title. And then I want to make a comment about that. Okay, so um, my first guest, because I uh, spent a fair amount of my working career working um, at Microsoft, my first guest is uh, a guy called Steve Clayton. Uh, he's actually a very good friend, um, but he's also a Microsofty. Um, and one of the connections we met at Microsoft, but one of the connections we have is that not only are we from the same town, um, we were literally uh, grew up. Fifth, uh, we grew up 400 yards and 15 years apart. So there's a 15-year age gap, but we literally lived around the corner from each other. Um, and Steve these days has the great title of Microsoft's chief storyteller. Yeah, and I, I won't spoil it here um, because he, you guys talk about how he got that title. Um, yeah. And I would not have believed it if – he had not shared it. Yeah. I mean, the idea and of just how that happened and what that means, um, it truly is almost a dream come true. 
Oh, it is. And um, I mean, the amazing thing about Steve, and we may have him back for a second issue, uh, episode um, and something I may post uh, next day or two. But probably the best story about Steve wasn't in the podcast deliberately. Um, but long story short, he was um, he, he used to work for Microsoft customer. And somebody in the technical department, slightly naughtily, because you're not really supposed to do this, got in touch with him to say, would you be interested in joining Microsoft? And he said yes, and he turned up and he got the job. And he then turned up in the local Microsoft pub where people were socializing. And the guy who'd recommended him for the job had recommended a different Steve Clayton. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> so here, here is the guy who now, you know, operates at a pretty senior level. He was the first person to interview Satya when he was made chief exec. He's on stage. But actually, yeah, he was recruited by accident. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is wonderful. Um, yeah, so it, the – and what I've loved about the concept and um, is there – because every once in a while I'll talk to people about it and they'll say, well, like my favorite song. I like, no, it may not even be a song you necessarily like that much. It's just a song for every decade you've been alive and your dealer's choice, pick whatever you want. Now, when I did it, I tend, I did it more about my family and kind of my philosophy of life. I kind of used it as an audio biography um but others have been very much talking about um bella who is on here um who we both love because she's only got to pick three songs but she ended up giving us six anyway yeah that, uh, was, genius. But, you know, that was genius <laughs> that was genius um you know she did a lot about her generation and what she was doing so yep. um i i believe that like all good concepts you have parameters, but there's a lot of room to color both inside and outside the line. Yeah, and, well, and to be honest, Jesse, like all these things that you have an idea and then it takes off and it stops being your idea, and I mean that positively, um, one of the joys I'm getting is what people do with the format and how they also tinker with it. So uh, I mentioned him before, Steve Routledge. Um I've got his episode in the camp. What Steve did was um, he actually changed the definition of a decade. Ah. So he, so instead of starting at zero and finishing at nine, his start at one and finish at zero. And the reason he did that was that that was the only way he could get the songs he really wanted in. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, and again, you educated me on this, which is, I didn't. I never set the format up with rules. So for goodness sake, the last thing I should be doing now is going. Oh well, you can't do that. Yeah. You know, people, people and guests can do what they like. So uh, yeah, yeah. People continually play with it, which is great. Yeah, like one of the things I did and we laughed about is, um, I was born in '59, so I made it myself that I couldn't pick something early in their '50s because technically. I wasn't alive, so I made sure I picked a song from 59, and uh, which made a joke you did because you picked one a couple of years earlier in the decade, and you yep. said – and sad to say, I followed that rule as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, I wish it wasn't true, but it is. <laughs> yeah. Do um, – so who do you have coming up? Uh, so coming up, uh, episode two, which comes out on Tuesday, is a guy called Thomas Power. Uh, Thomas is a larger-than-life character um, who, uh, again, I met through business, but uh, I guess my best summary of Thomas is I met him in about 96, and he was the first person I was ever introduced to, and somebody said, this is Thomas Power. He's a networker. Uh, but Thomas, and my, my glib line on Thomas is, this is a man who spent half his life waiting for Twitter to be invented. Uh, <laughs> so it's no surprise now that he's got about 350,000 Twitter followers. Um, but he, he worked for uh, a guy called, a company called Amstrad and a guy called Alan Sugar, who was very instrumental in the UK in early days of computing over here. And uh, he has countless, countless stories. And um I know that you particularly will 
love his episode because he just comes up with some some great answers and some uh really off the wall stuff so he's he's number two number three is the guy i mentioned before is larry hauser um so good friend sort of inspiration behind all this um larry's businessman author um i describe him as my favorite professional new yorker so he is the archetypal new yorker with horn ring glasses and thick hair and all of that uh he's also as you'll hear at the end of the episode uh he's one of his many musical claims to fame is he was actually at woodstock um okay. and that's like yeah the original one and then episode four is um i managed to get harishikesh Fairway to come on and uh do so uh yeah he's um <laughs> That's been recorded. I haven't edited it yet, but that's in the can. And uh, he's another one who plays with the format and actually, uh, no surprise, does some really interesting stuff in weaving a story. Uh, That's great. So I think you'll really enjoy that. And then the final sort of my first five, and I wanted to make sure my first five episodes were a real interesting mix, um, is a guy called uh, Paul Doherty. So Paul is the CIO for Accenture. Um, he uh, wrote a book last year, probably the best book if you want to read about artificial intelligence called AI, AI and uh, Man and Machine. Um, the other thing about Paul, again, I met him through business, but Paul is from New Jersey and needless to say is a massive Springsteen fan. <laughs> um, so uh, a very quick story is one of the first times I met Paul and we were waiting to meet uh, Satya Nadella, who not long before had just been made chief exec of uh, Microsoft, and very unusually, Sat- Satya was running like 10 minutes late. So there was that making conversation thing, and Jersey came up, and I mentioned Springsteen, and and actually we needed to be interrupted when Satya walked into the room. <laughs> um. So uh, he's uh, and Paul again did it did a great job with the format. So yeah, interesting mix of people. You know what's what I love, uh, Terry, is um, my first instinct when I hear someone saying they're from New Jersey is to, oh, are you a Bruce fan? Um, and then the other thing is anyone from the UK, I'm like, oh, are you a Doctor Who fan? Doctor Who fan, yeah. I bet you get a lot of yeses. <laughs> I do. It's it's very funny. Uh, we have a new CEO um, at um, my day job and uh paul is from the uk and he talked about you know like i can't remember which um you know european football team one of the uk teams was his team and you know he's lived in the u.s for a while but you know um but uh everyone was asking questions and i was smart enough to wait till afterwards and um you know, he was meeting and kind of where everyone's talking about stuff. And I um, I came up and I'm like, hi, Paul, I'm Jesse. Nice to meet you, Jesse. I said, so I've got to ask you, are you a Doctor Who fan? <laughs> and he looked at me a little where he goes, um, my daughters are a fan of the modern era. He said, I was back more with the Davison and, you know, um, Baker era. And I yep. was like, okay, just, just curious. So... <laughs> I know he's like, that was an odd question to ask, but I was like, but I couldn't it, but, but resist isn't it, it. Isn't it interesting that I can now probably age him just because of which Doctor Who oh, yeah, he, he mentioned? <laughs> yes. So given you mentioned football, because I was yeah. determined to get this in, I, 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 are you a – do you follow soccer? Uh, just in the very minor, you know, kind of the fringe. I, I You know, funny story um, – one of the sports talk shows I listen to, um, the, you know, they have a morning and middle and afternoon. And one of the afternoon shows, the midday show, uh, Bob is a huge, you know, European soccer fan and the league there in the UK. And um, and so Junior, one of the morning guys, like, I just don't get soccer. And he says, well, I'll tell you what you should do. Pick a team. Follow that team the same way you would follow, you know, the Seattle Seahawks or the Dallas Cowboys or whatever. Go through a season. At the end of the season, if you're not a fan, then you know it's not for you. And he 
Jr. did that, and I don't remember which one he picked, but he's now this massive fan because uh, he's connected, you know. So yeah. continue. So, the, well, so I, I, I'm assuming you know that at least there is the Women's World Cup yes. going on at the moment because USA is in the final tomorrow after beating England. However, um, and this could only happen on the BBC, which I love, I love being back. Thursday's other semi-final was uh, Holland against Sweden. And Holland won, or Netherlands won by 1-0, and the scorer was a lady called Jackie Gruenen. And at the end, and by the way, it went to extra time, so this has gone on for two and a quarter hours. And at the end, the BBC commentator says, Jackie Gruenen, a Bruce Springsteen fan. Her goal has set the has set the Netherlands off down the Thunder Road, where they will meet the girls who were born in the USA. Oh, greatness! So the thing we have to do, and I've tried to find her on Twitter, is Jackie Groenen must have a Twitter account or somewhere because kind of, mm-hmm. she'd be a great set lusting Bruce. Yes, but I mean, it, on the basis it gets. I mean, I'm looking at one of the big sports sites. And apparently she loves she loves Johan Cruyff, who has played for Ajax in um, Amsterdam. She loves the Beatles and she loves Bruce Springsteen. But the fact that they pull this out as the did you know fact, she's clearly not a casual fan. Yeah, that so is awesome. I, I think we should try and track her down. And, uh, yeah, and she I think play, so. She can play football, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you know what's uh, and <laughs> I I personally um, am proud of the Colin commentary that you know he 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 had that uh, you know because you that's definitely sounds scripted oh but, yeah it was, uh, it, was, but, it was definitely it, well it, they, they went back to the studio and the woman is is thank you Jonathan and just to be clear I have no more Bruce Springsteen references I can use <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome um I wanted to share with you and now then we truly are catching up um rock in the suburbs uh, the podcast that um, Jim and Patrick do here in the U.S. It used to be uh, Dad Rock on USA Today, and yep. now that they've started their own podcast, well, um, they take summer vacation, and they ask people to fill in. And uh, I said, well, I don't have any burning topics. I said, though, you know, I could always talk Western stars, but a couple people reached out and said, I don't know how to record a podcast. And I said, hey, if you record – I said, let's schedule it. I can record it. I can edit it. You're just going to have to do most of the heavy lifting. I'll talk to you. And one of them was uh, Kevin Clement, who was your first – I remember. Uh, yes. Um, and <laughs> uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, Terry was like, this is amazing. We have a podcast asking for people to join us. And someone we've never met, never heard from, reached out and said, yes, I want to do this. And for me, what was so exciting was he lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which yes. is just sounds – well, I know. I mean, it's just an amazing – he was a great guest. He was a great guest. He was. And so uh, coming up, um, we talked Louisiana music and the difference uh, between um, Zydeco and uh, more – uh, you know, Cajun music. And so, um, and it was a lot of fun. It, it was uh, good. And when will that be out, Jesse? Uh, I'm not sure because it's um, it's Rock in the Suburbs. They're doing it. But when it is, oh, I'll pass it make out. Make sure you let me know. I will. What, what was hilarious, though, is he said, you know, before we started, he goes, this is only my second podcast. <laughs> the first <laughs> one was you guys. And I said, no, 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 <laughs> this is great. Um, so, yeah. Um this is great. I'm I'm so excited about your podcast. I, I think this is going to be amazing. Um, and I, I want to stress the same way I do. You know, you don't have to be famous to join either you or I on the podcast. Um, everyone, I, I believe, has a good story to tell. And so if people want to join you, first off, how do they hear the podcast? And secondly, if they want to sign up to say, hey, I'd love to share my story, how can they? Okay, so uh, in terms of the podcast, then it's on Apple and all of the major players. So if you search on Music Talks and actually Terry or Terry Smith, 
that will pull it up. Uh, it appears that there may have been another Music Talks come out at the same time. If you want to go down the website route, then it's musictalkspod.buzzsprout.com. Um, and if you want to email me, um, then it's musictalkspod at outlook.com or ping me on Twitter. And again, they're all consistent, which is obviously at musictalkspod. Uh, I'd love to hear from people. I'm with you, Jesse, that uh, one of my future guests um, is actually, uh, I won't bore you with how we met up, but it is a young guy in his 20s from Jordan. Now, you'll go, well, he's going to have a very short choice. But this guy, because of his father, knows so much about 60s and 70s music. Um, and I, I will give a little preview. His 60s choice is Jefferson Airplane, and his 70s choice is Boney M. <laughs> wow, okay. Uh, and he's just got a fantastic story to tell about, you know, growing up in Jordan and the role of MTV and that. So, um, yeah, if people are out there and they like the format and they'd like to get in touch, I'd love to hear from them. Absolutely. Um, so I'll do the same plug for me. Uh, I am always looking for people to join me on Set Lessing Bruce uh, to share your Springsteen story um, and talk about um, what um, his music has meant to you and journey. Um, coming up, I have Liz, uh, who is the Dutch Courtney Cox. Um, ah. Yes, um, and she uh, has a story uh, on Twitter. Someone suggested that I reach out to her, and I did. And, and Liz was um, – she – tells this great story about getting on stage with Bruce and then multiple times running into him and he appears to remember her every time. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, so it's going to be a great story. You can reach me at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. I am on Twitter at setlustingbruce, my personal Twitter at jessejacksondfw. I have a new voicemail. So if you want to call 469 469- Two four nine two four two four four two. Let me try that again. <laughs> yes, that makes me feel so much better. Yes, four six nine two four nine two four four two. Leave a voicemail. I am running a contest. I am going to give out two copies of um, the. Um, the book that Blinded by the Light is based on, Burry from, um, gosh, now that I'm drawing a blank on. Greetings from Berry Park. Yeah, thank you. Greetings from Berry Park. I'm giving out a, two copies of that, so all you got to do is leave a voicemail with any comment or something, and you'll be added to there. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to that movie. Yes, me too. Me I too. think it'll be great. Um, so any final thoughts, Tara? Um, I guess the only one, uh, first of all, is thank you for uh, doing the Music Talks week. Um, given that those will go out with the title of Tea Time with Terry, I guess I should finish by telling the story of why did I change the name of the podcast. Yes, I am um, so glad, yes. And the reason the reason is that I um, went down to the Guardian newspaper does this thing pretentiously titled Masterclasses, but they're, very, they're, they're interesting three-hour things if you want to learn about stuff and they tend to have good speakers so i went to london on a podcasting masterclass and the guy running it uh, asked has anyone sort of started podcasting or you know and i'd obviously started started doing the stuff with you jesse and i put my hand up and he was talking about having a memorable name and his podcast is actually called the unconventionalists and as he pointed out it's been running for four years it's actually very successful but he himself still stumbles over the title of the unconventionalist. So he basically said you need to have something that's um, short, simple, and memorable. So I put my hand up and he said, great, what's your podcast called? And I said, Tea Time with Terry. And he said, oh, I like that. He said, short, simple, memorable, alliterative. He said, don't you answer. He said, what do people think the podcast is about? Um, and somebody said T and that was okay and somebody said Terry and I went well partly yes and then this lady looked at me and said golf 
And I realized that I'd come up with a brilliant name for a golf podcast. Nobody, of course, <laughs> nobody, of course, guessed that it was about music. And the reason I'd gone with Tea Time with Terry goes back to those music evenings I used to do. Um, and it was actually a friend of mine who was a guest on your show, uh, Jesse Dampilling. Uh, he said, well, if you're doing these evenings, they need to have a title. And given we were both Brits living in America, he thought Tea Time with Terry was suitably English and British. So uh, it was a great name, but not a great name for people to actually understand what the podcast was about. So music talks um, and there's a nice pun in there. And obviously it's about music. It's people talking, but music also has a meaning. So it was. Uh, but that's that's the reason that folks will hear Tea Time with Terry on the stuff you repost. Thank you. But music talks is what we go with going forward. I am so glad we remembered to bring that up. We're going to call it a episode. Thank you, Terry. You truly have been a wonderful supporter of the podcast. And so I appreciate that. Uh, listeners, go check out Music Talks. It is definitely worth your time. It will it'll make you think. You'll hear new music. It's a true joy. For now, we're going to call it a night. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jesse. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.